Welcome, welcome to Freedom in Christ. Today we're going to be talking about choosing to believe what God says is true. So, who are you? As we saw in the last session, if you know Jesus, you are a holy one. Whether it feels like it or not. Let me ask you a question. Does God love you? Yes. Yes. Now, if you perform better, would God love you more? No. Does God love me more than he loves you? Oh, see? God's love has nothing to do with you. Has nothing to do with me. It doesn't make any difference whether you perform great one day or you mess up the next day. God will still love you because that's his nature. He is love. He couldn't not love you. However, God's love for you on its own doesn't mean that you will be the person he wants you to be and you will do the things that he has prepared for you. That's all about the choices you make. And the choices you make come down to what you believe, what you really believe, not what you necessarily think or what you say you believe. You see, if you really want to know what somebody really believes, don't listen to what they say but look at what they actually do. You see, the Bible tells us without faith, it's impossible to please God. But what is faith? One little boy put it like this. Faith is trying hard to believe what you know isn't really true. Sounds reasonable, but actually it's the very opposite. Faith is just finding out what is already true and making the choice to believe it. Let's look at the story in 1 Samuel 17 where the Israelites were in, a, in the battle with the Philistine army. The Philistines were saying, well, we don't want a bloodbath. Just give us your best fighter against our best fighter. Winner take all. That's it. Well, the Philistines thought they were setting a trap because they had a secret weapon, a giant called Goliath. You see, no one thought they could fight against Goliath and win. But the Israelites had a secret weapon, a little boy named David. David pulls out his sling and says to the giant, how dare you challenge the armies of the living God, and then kills Goliath. You see, David and the Israelites were faced with the same situation. The Israelite army saw the giant in relationship to themselves, and they panicked. But David saw the giant in relationship to God and was at peace. Now, who saw the situation like it really was? What well, David did. David saw what was true. See, faith is simply recognizing what is actually already true. As Christians, we all want our lives to matter. So if you hear someone who's doing some amazing things for God, what do you usually do? We go buy the book, we watch the film, we see what they're doing, and then we try to do what they do. 
Well, there is some value to that, but that's not the key issue. Hebrews 13, 7 says this, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way and imitate their faith, not their behavior. In other words, look at the people you admire, but don't copy what they do. Copy what they believe. Why is that? Because what you do comes from what you believe. If you don't get your beliefs right, our actions won't be right. You see, the message in this session is simple. Find out from God what is already true. Choose to believe it, whether it feels true or not. And your life will be, as a Christian, will be transformed. Oh, by the way, not believing in something doesn't make it false. For example, Jesus taught very clearly about hell, but many Christians today say they don't believe in it. But not believing in hell doesn't make it go away. It doesn't lower the temperature there one degree. Now, you see, the issue of faith is not that we believe. Everybody believes in something or someone. Practically every decision you make and every action you make demonstrates your faith in something. For instance, the last time you were driving your car and came to a green traffic light, what did you do? Well, by faith, you probably drove right through it. Even though you couldn't see the traffic light in the other direction and it was red and the other driver saw it, you believed it and you drove right through. Let me give you another example. Some people choose to believe that there's no such thing as God, that we've only evolved from animals. That's faith. In fact, when you look at the universe and how amazing our human bodies are, I think it takes a lot more faith to believe there is no God than to believe in God. You might believe that you can fly a plane across the Atlantic Ocean by just simply pedaling it. You might have more faith to believe that it will work than anyone who has ever lived, but it won't work. The critical issue with faith is not so much that we believe, but what we believe. Here's a true story. There was a hypnotist who announced that he was going to give a public demonstration of his psychic powers by driving a car blindfold. He put the blindfolds on, and with conviction, and with confidence, he began to drive the car. After 20 yards, he drove confidently right into the back of a parked police van. Now, he may have had some enormous faith. He may have believed in his psychic powers. But guess what? They let him down. His beliefs did not reflect reality, and it got him a ticket. Now, let's look at another true story in the Bible. In 1 Kings 18, when you read the story of Elijah and the prophets of Baal. Now, Elijah and the prophets, they decided to hold a competition to see whose God was real. They both set up altars, and they threw a dead bull on it to be sacrificed. Now, they both were supposed to ask their God to send fire from heaven and burn up the sacrifice. Now, there were about 450 prophets of Baal. They won the toss and they went first. 
They danced and they danced and they called out on Baal, but nothing happened. Then they cut themselves with spears and then they called a little louder, but nothing. It went on all day long, but they never got an answer. Then it was Elijah's turn. He called on God and immediately fire came down from heaven and burned up the, the wood, the bull, the stone, and the altar. Well, who had more faith? Actually, we don't know. The prophets of Baal clearly had great faith in Baal, but it didn't make any difference because Baal wasn't real. Jesus said, we only need faith the size of a mustard seed to move a mountain. Elijah may only have had a little bit of faith, but his offering was immediately burned up because he was calling on the true and living God. It doesn't depend on how large your faith is, but who you put your faith in. It's not our power that moves mountains. It's God's power. Traffic lights can go wrong. Other faith objects like our parents and our friends and church and husbands and wives, they all can let us down. Hebrews 13, 8 says this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's why he is the one thing that we can put our faith into who will never fail us. He has never failed to be and to do all that he said he would be and do. And he never changes. I knew the Bible. I went to seminary, but somehow I couldn't connect the truth with the daily struggles that I had. In my upbringing, um, we were not Christians, so my uh, infidelity was a common thing. And uh, I see it all around my family. I felt like the same thing that happened to my mother um, is going to happen to me. It's inevitable. It's a matter of time. He works as a pastor. He deals with the women. And I would be so overwhelmed having all these thoughts and thinking it's a matter of time that infidelity will happen. and. My marriage will be broken. And before this course, I didn't know what was happening. I thought it's just thoughts. But now I understand that these are lies versus the truth in the Bible. And I began to understand that God is there. He's sovereign. He's almighty. He's my loving father. And over time, I began to keep fighting these um, wrong thoughts, kept on uh, putting them with the scriptures. And I, I, I would say after a year or so or less, my husband said, you've changed. <laughs> I wasn't that nervous wreck and um, yeah, so insecure and so anxious. Yeah, it's all changing me. I am secure. I am uh, dearly loved by God. I'm a child of God. God is there and I just need to rest, rest in His sovereignty. And if anything should happen, I'm still okay because I'm a child of God. 
Absolutely everybody is living by faith in something. Every decision we make demonstrates our faith in something. I wonder if you agree that you can work out what someone believes, not so much by what they say they believe, but by what they actually do. In this pause for thought, let's try to get to grips with what faith actually is. I used to have a business partner who would say, I wish I could have your faith, as if it were some kind of mystical thing that might one day come over him. And I used to say, well, you can. And we can kind of do the same thing as Christians. It's like we can look at someone and think, well, if only I could have faith like so-and-so. You can. See, are we given a certain amount of faith so that some of us are destined to have lots of faith and others not very much? I don't think so. Because as Daryl said to us, faith is simply making a choice to believe what God says is already true. And we can all make that choice. So would you like your faith to increase? Let's try and understand how. I don't know whether you ever have done this as a parent, but let's say you have a child and you take your child and you put her on a table, maybe one a little sturdier than this for health and safety reasons, and you say, you know, come on, jump into my arms. And she jumps and you catch her. So maybe you put her back on the table and you, you go a little further back and you say, come on, jump, and you catch her. Well, she'll keep doing that and you can go further and further back as long as you keep catching her. As long as you don't let her down, in other words, her faith in you will keep growing and growing. And that's how faith grows. As you discover what God has said and you make a choice to believe it and you find that it works, you will get to know God better and better and you'll start to trust him with bigger and bigger things. It's great to memorize Bible verses. It's great to take part in Bible studies, but your faith really grows when you take that verse you learned or that truth that you learned in the Bible study and you put it into practice. In other words, when you jump and you find that God catches you. For example, it's all very well learning that verse that says God loves a cheerful giver. But your faith will grow when perhaps for the first time you take a deep breath and you give beyond what you feel you can afford in response to a little prompt from God. And you find, of course, that God catches you. He doesn't let you down. And as you get to know that God, the one who you're putting your faith in, really can be trusted you will trust him for bigger and bigger things. But start where you are right now and go from there. Have you ever wondered how Abraham could contemplate sacrificing his son Isaac? I think that he'd come to learn through experience that God was loving and could be trusted. So you start with what God has said is true and you choose to believe it. Whatever you do, don't start with what you feel. You'll go all over the place. You don't feel your way into good behaviour. You behave your way into good feelings. And when you make that choice, your feelings will catch up. They'll follow in due course. Now, I'm not at the Abraham level of faith just yet. But as I look back, I can see clearly that God has deliberately engineered circumstances in my life to build my faith, to help me keep taking those bigger and bigger jumps. If I look back, for example, to the first time I heard about Freedom in Christ Ministries, 
I can see that God led me on a journey that increased my faith. And at that time, we had a couple in our church who had a lot of problems, and my pastor had asked me to disciple them. I did my best, but to be honest, I found it a pretty frustrating experience because we didn't seem to make much progress. And I knew that Jesus was the answer to their problems, but I didn't know how. I didn't know what I could do for them apart from pray for them. And I tried that, and to be honest, it didn't seem to change anything. Well, one day, I happened to be in a Christian bookshop, and I came across a book that I'd never heard of called The Bondage Breaker by an author I'd never heard of, one Dr. Neil T. Anderson. Well, the teaching in this course is based on that book and another book by Neil Anderson called Victory Over the Darkness. But at that time, I hadn't heard of them. But I had a little funny feeling that God wanted me to buy that book. Odd, really. But I took a small step of faith and I parted with a few coins and I bought the book. And as I look back, that was the start of a radical change in the direction of my life. I had no idea at the time. Well, I read the book, and it made a lot of sense. And I was particularly intrigued with a process in the back of the book called The Steps to Freedom in Christ. And Neil Anderson claimed that this process would help people resolve personal and spiritual conflicts. I don't know that I knew what they were, but I knew that this couple had some. <laughs> and one evening, uh, my pastor came with me, uh, and we tried out the steps to freedom in Christ with this couple. Nothing else had worked. Now, we didn't do it the way I would do it now. It normally takes three to five hours. We did it in 20 minutes. <laughs> but it didn't seem to matter. And to cut a long story short, um, the wife actually got cancer um, and died. That doesn't happen to everybody who goes through the steps to freedom in Christ, I want you to know. Uh, but before they went through the steps, we weren't even sure that she was a Christian. And I think that experience just highlighted the dramatic difference in her life. Um, she faced death practically with a big grin on her face. She knew who she was and she knew where she was going. Her husband, who'd had a history of mental breakdowns, was my concern at the time. I wasn't sure how he could survive the premature death of his wife, but he did. He didn't have yet another breakdown, as I thought was likely. And we were so intrigued by this that we started teaching the material from the books in our small church using a forerunner to this course. And we started taking each other through this process at the back, the steps to freedom in Christ. And what surprised us was that it was the so-called good Christians, the keen Christians, who suddenly started changing and getting a new testimony of what God was doing. So much so that people kept saying to us, well, will you run the course again and then again? It was unheard of. And soon we had people coming from lots of different churches and the whole thing was getting bigger and bigger. We had twice as many people coming to our Freedom in Christ course as members of our church. And about that time, I felt God was saying that um, we should bring this teaching to the UK. Again, just one of those fun little promptings. I kind of thought it was probably what he was saying. And I discovered that Freedom in Christ had a website and I sent in an email asking if there was a UK office. And the answer I had back was that they didn't feel it was right to open any more overseas offices. What they did say was if we wanted to test it out further, we should invite Dr. Neil over to run a conference. Well, we looked at the cost of all that, 
And we were in a tiny little church. It just seemed completely impossible. It was half our annual budget. And we didn't have the facilities to do it anyway. So I just thought, well, maybe I got that wrong and just left it on the shelf. Well, the next thing we knew is we got an email from the Freedom in Christ office in the US saying that Neil Anderson was coming to the UK. His first visit to the UK for seven years. So that was interesting. We sent an email back saying, well, where's he coming? And it was with great interest that we learned he was coming to Reading, which is where we live. <laughs> and then we got a call from our local large conference running church that had invited him, saying they understood that we knew something about Neil Anderson's ministry, and they realised that they really didn't. And they said, would you be willing to run this conference with us? And so God brought Neil Anderson to our doorstep. We were able to meet with him face to face and tell him what we thought God was saying. And the rest, as they say, is history. But as I look back at those events with the benefit of hindsight, it really helps my faith. And I now know that I never need to manipulate events, but I can trust God to deliver what he promises. I just need to wait. And God has been gracious enough to me to show me clearly that he's real. Now, I think, I know, that he's ready to do that in all of our lives. But we simply start where we are and we do what he's told us to do. For me, it was buying a book. So no matter how small it seems, just do what God has told you to do. So I've told you some of my experiences, how God grew my faith. What are some of the ways he's done that in your life? We'd like to hear about them in this discussion time, when your faith has grown, how your faith has grown. Generally speaking, we see that as we look back and realise that God has often arranged events in our lives to encourage us to take those larger and larger steps of faith. In the Bible, the words faith, trust and believe are all the same word in the original Greek. And that's important to know because in English, when you say that you believe in something, it doesn't carry that same connotation as to trust in something, does it? But faith is not simply agreeing with something. It's a reliance that is demonstrated by actions. James says, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith but what I do. I was raised in a Christian household, and I learned a lot of memory verses, Bible verses, so I knew a lot of Bible. Um, but I, I always felt like they were tools that I never really knew how to apply, you know, um, I would sometimes pray them, you know, because you, well, let's go ahead and pray these over our lives. So I would pray these things over my life. And then I knew like in James, it's like, well, if you don't have faith, you know, these things may not necessarily apply to you. Um, and so I never really knew how to utilize this tool. I knew a lot of it. It's the stereotypical Christian that has a lot of head knowledge. What Freedom in Christ does is it teaches you what to do with the Bible. Seek first the kingdom of heaven and its righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Well, when you take that as truth, 
Not only am I not on my own, but I've got God, the creator of the universe, who can simply speak and food will appear, who fed Elijah with crows, who, made, who fed 5,000 people, more than that, with five loaves and two fish. He can make stuff come out of thin air. Okay, I've got that God on my side providing for my needs, promising that, promising that if I seek first the kingdom of heaven and its, and its righteousness, I will be taken care of. My needs will be met. So, you know, I'm starting a business right now with my wife and things are a little bit tight. You know, money's going here, money's going there. And I'm uh, watching my bank account kind of do, uh, you know, it's like a roller coaster. And I'm like, oh man, it makes me nervous. So I go to God and I say, God, you promise you will take care of me. Even if this goes south, even if everything goes wrong, you will still provide for me. And then as me and my wife are potentially looking how we can spread the word of God in other places. And there may not always be a job or there may not always be consistent income and stability. Oh man, that, that terrifies me more than almost anything else. But he will provide. He promises. It is a promise that he will provide for my needs. No matter what we say, it's what we do what really shows what we believe. It's sort of like standing in a train station, wanting to go to Barcelona, where I lived for about a year. You find out all about the times of the trains, you learn about the technical details, and you even get one of those little maps and schedules. Um, and you say you really believe them to be true, but you never really get on the train. If you want to know what you really believe, take a look at what you do. As Steve explained, our faith grows when we make that choice to put into practice what we believe. But it's when we find ourselves in difficult times that we can grow the most. I don't know if you've found that in your lives. Maybe a financial scare, a health issue, an uncertain future, perhaps. It's in these times that we have to choose whether to put our faith in God or on something else. Let me tell you a bit about my story. When our son Josue was three years old, my husband Rob and I received crushing news. He was diagnosed with Fragile X Syndrome, which is a genetic and a hereditary syndrome, and it affects his emotions, his development, his mental capacity, most of his life. Now, if you're a parent, you know that having kids is always a leap of faith. You realize quickly you're so out of control. But this special son of ours, he pushed us even further. I remember Rob and I looking at each other and wondering, when will he walk? Will he walk at all? When will he talk? Will he talk at all? Some special needs kids don't acquire language. When will he be potty trained? Will he be potty trained at all? And at each stage in life, we had questions no one could answer, not with certainty, not even the experts. At that time, we were missionaries in Spain, and we wondered, should we leave the mission field? 
and go back home and look for the best resources for special needs? And then questions like, now that he's a teen, when will he have friends of his own? And one of the hardest questions of all, one that keeps special needs parents up at night is, who will take care of him when we're gone? And I tend to forget because Josue's brought so much joy into our life, but it's been tough. There have been really tough moments. At every stage, we've had to choose whether to rely on our own efforts to search and access the best resources, or to depend on God's provision. And yes, God has been faithful every step of the way. So when I feel anxious about the present or the future, I need to remind myself, God's promise of provision is for both his able and for his disabled children. So you can see that the question of how much faith you have is in your hands. It all depends on choosing to believe, choosing to believe the truth and putting it into practice. I encountered a young woman in Spain who had grown up with very abusive parents and had been exposed to witchcraft through her grandmother. And sadly, as a young Christian, very on in her Christian life, she had been led to believe that she needed a special anointed person, someone with some special spiritual discernment to help her overcome the oppression that she experienced on and off. How was she to find such a person? How long was she to wait? Who knew? But she waited, passively, stunted in her growth, and unfruitful. Although, on the exterior, all that time behaving like a Christian. Many times she received prayer, and it helped for a while, but it didn't have long-lasting effects. She did eventually come through, but it wasn't through some special anointed person. It was when she took active responsibility for her own spiritual growth. The outcome of your Christian life is in your hands. On the Freedom in Christ app, you'll find some additional teachings from Steve on this. The truth is that there's no one here who can't become a mature and fruitful disciple. There's no one here who can't resist temptation, get out of hopelessness, leave behind negative behavior and past influences, and just move on. You don't need some special anointing from God or others. You just need to know what is already true. You choose to believe it, and you act on it. Now we have another list of truths from the Bible that will help us with this. It's called the 20 Cans of Success, and you'll find it in your participant's guide. So please read aloud with me. Why should I say I can't when the Bible says I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength? Why should I lack when I know that God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Why should I fear when the Bible says God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind? Why should I lack faith to fulfill my calling 
knowing that God has allotted to me a measure of faith. Why should I be weak when the Bible says that the Lord is the strength of my life and that I will display strength and take action because I know God? Why should I allow Satan's supremacy over my life when he that is in me is greater than he that is in the world? Why should I accept defeat when the Bible says that God always leads me in triumph? Why should I lack wisdom when Christ became wisdom to me from God and God gives wisdom to me generously when I ask him for it? Why should I be depressed when I can recall to mind God's loving kindness, compassion, and faithfulness and have hope? Why should I worry and fret when I can cast all my anxiety on Christ who cares for me? Why should I ever be in bondage knowing that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom? Why should I feel condemned when the Bible says I am not condemned because I am in Christ? Why should I feel alone when Jesus says, he is with me always, and he will never leave me nor forsake me. Why should I feel accursed or that I am the victim of bad luck when the Bible says that Christ redeemed me from the curse of the law that I might receive his spirit? Why should I be discontented when I, like Paul, can learn to be content in all my circumstances? Why should I feel worthless when Christ became sin on my behalf, that I might become the righteousness of God in him? Why should I have a persecution complex, knowing that nobody can be against me when God is for me? Why should I be confused when God is the author of peace and he gives me knowledge through his indwelling spirit? Why should I feel like a failure when I am a conqueror in all things through Christ? Why should I let the pressures of life bother me when I can take courage knowing that Jesus has overcome the world and its tribulations? We'll have one more list to share with you later in the course. Keep in mind that there's nothing magical about reading these lists out loud. The truth in them will only have an effect on your life to the extent that you decide to believe it. But reading these lists out loud, as soon as you get up in the morning for several weeks, can be a way of committing yourself to affirm and believe the truth. I've known so many people who say their lives have been completely transformed by doing just that. Elijah said, how long will you waver between two opinions. If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. Will you take this opportunity to make a new commitment to base your life completely on what God says is true, regardless of your feelings and regardless of the opinions of others? The 20 Cans of Success is the second of three lists of amazing truth from God's Word that will bring you on the Freedom in Christ course. 
in this time, we'd like you to consider that list and leave with one particular truth that you feel God wants to impress on you today. Take it away and treasure it. Realize that if God has said it, it is true of you. And it's true regardless of your feelings or your circumstances. Remind yourself of it every day until you absolutely know that it's true and it's firmly part of your belief system. In the Bible, the words faith, trust, and believe are all the same word in the original Greek. And that's important to know because in English, when you say that you believe in something, it doesn't carry that same connotation as to trust in something, does it? But faith is not simply agreeing with something. It's a reliance that is demonstrated by actions. James says, faith by itself if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith but what I do. I was raised in a Christian household, and I learned a lot of memory verses, Bible verses, so I knew a lot of Bible. Um, but I, I always felt like they were tools that I never really knew how to apply, you know, um, I would sometimes pray them, you know, because you, well, let's go ahead and pray these over our lives. So I would pray these things over my life. And then I knew like in James, it's like, well, if you don't have faith, you know, these things may not necessarily apply to you. Um, and so I never really knew how to utilize this tool. I knew a lot of it. It's the stereotypical Christian that has a lot of head knowledge. What freedom in Christ does is it teaches you what to do with the Bible. Seek first the kingdom of heaven and its righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Well, when you take that as truth, not only am I not on my own, but I've got God, the creator of the universe, who can simply speak and food will appear, who fed Elijah with crows, who, made, who fed 5,000 people, more than that, with five loaves and two fish. He can make stuff come out of thin air. Okay, I've got that God on my side providing for my needs, promising that, promising that if I seek first the kingdom of heaven and its, and its righteousness, I will be taken care of. My needs will be met. So, you know, I'm starting a business right now with my wife and things are a little bit tight. You know, money's going here, money's going there. And I'm uh, watching my bank account kind of do, uh, you know, it's like a roller coaster. And I'm like, oh man, it makes me nervous. So I go to God and I say, God, you promise you will take care of me. Even if this goes south, even if everything goes wrong, you will still provide for me. And then as me and my wife are potentially looking how we can spread the word of God in other places. And there may not always be a job or there may not always be consistent income and stability. Oh man, that, that terrifies me more than almost anything else. But he will provide. He promises. It is a promise that he will provide for my needs. No matter what we say, it's what we do what really shows what we believe.
It's sort of like standing in a train station, wanting to go to Barcelona, where I lived for about a year. You find out all about the times of the trains, you learn about the technical details, and you even get one of those little maps and schedules. Um, and you say you really believe them to be true, but you never really get on the train. If you want to know what you really believe, take a look at what you do. As Steve explained, our faith grows when we make that choice to put into practice what we believe. But it's when we find ourselves in difficult times that we can grow the most. I don't know if you've found that in your lives. Maybe a financial scare, a health issue, an uncertain future, perhaps. It's in these times that we have to choose whether to put our faith in God or on something else. Let me tell you a bit about my story. When our son Josue was three years old, my husband Rob and I received crushing news. He was diagnosed with Fragile X Syndrome, which is a genetic and a hereditary syndrome, and it affects his emotions, his development, his mental capacity, most of his life. Now, if you're a parent, you know that having kids is always a leap of faith. You realize quickly you're so out of control. But this special son of ours, he pushed us even further. I remember Rob and I looking at each other and wondering, when will he walk? Will he walk at all? When will he talk? Will he talk at all? Some special needs kids don't acquire language. When will he be potty trained? Will he be potty trained at all? And at each stage in life, we had questions no one could answer, not with certainty, not even the experts. At that time, we were missionaries in Spain, and we wondered, should we leave the mission field and go back home and look for the best resources for special needs? And then questions like, now that he's a teen, when will he have friends of his own? And one of the hardest questions of all, one that keeps special needs parents up at night is, who will take care of him when we're gone? And I tend to forget because Josue has brought so much joy into our life, but it's been tough. There have been really tough moments. At every stage, we've had to choose whether to rely on our own efforts to search and access the best resources or to depend on God's provision. And yes, God has been faithful every step of the way. So when I feel anxious about the present or the future, I need to remind myself, God's promise of provision is for both his able and for his disabled children. So you can see that the question of how much faith you have is in your hands. It all depends on choosing to believe, choosing to believe the truth and putting it into practice. I encountered a young woman in Spain who had grown up with very abusive parents and had been exposed to witchcraft through her grandmother. And sadly, as a young Christian, very on in her Christian life, she had been led to believe that she needed a special anointed person, someone with some special spiritual discernment, 
to help her overcome the oppression that she experienced on and off. How was she to find such a person? How long was she to wait? Who knew, but she waited, passively, stunted in her growth and unfruitful. Although on the exterior, all that time behaving like a Christian. Many times she received prayer and it helped for a while, but it didn't have long lasting effects. She did eventually come through, but it wasn't through some special anointed person. It was when she took active responsibility for her own spiritual growth. The outcome of your Christian life is in your hands. On the Freedom in Christ app, you'll find some additional teachings from Steve on this. The truth is that there's no one here who can't become a mature and fruitful disciple. There's no one here who can't resist temptation, get out of hopelessness, leave behind negative behavior and past influences and just move on. You don't need some special anointing from God or others. You just need to know what is already true. You choose to believe it and you act on it. Now we have another list of truths from the Bible that will help us with this. It's called the 20 cans of success and you'll find it in your participants guide. So please read aloud with me. Why should I say I can't when the Bible says I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength? Why should I lack when I know that God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus? Why should I fear when the Bible says God has not given me a spirit of fear but of power, love, and a sound mind? Why should I lack faith to fulfill my calling, knowing that God has allotted to me a measure of faith? Why should I be weak when the Bible says that the Lord is the strength of my life and that I will display strength and take action because I know God? Why should I allow Satan's supremacy over my life when he that is in me is greater than he that is in the world. Why should I accept defeat when the Bible says that God always leads me in triumph? Why should I lack wisdom when Christ became wisdom to me from God and God gives wisdom to me generously when I ask him for it? Why should I be depressed when I can recall to mind God's loving kindness compassion and faithfulness and have hope? Why should I worry and fret when I can cast all my anxiety on Christ who cares for me? Why should I ever be in bondage knowing that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom? Why should I feel condemned when the Bible says I am not condemned because I am in Christ? Why should I feel alone when Jesus says he is with me always and he will never leave me nor forsake me? Why should I feel accursed or that I am the victim of bad luck when the Bible says that Christ redeemed me from the curse of the law 
that I might receive his spirit. Why should I be discontented when I, like Paul, can learn to be content in all my circumstances? Why should I feel worthless when Christ became sin on my behalf, that I might become the righteousness of God in him? Why should I have a persecution complex, knowing that nobody can be against me when God is for me? Why should I be confused when God is the author of peace and he gives me knowledge through his indwelling spirit? Why should I feel like a failure when I am a conqueror in all things through Christ? Why should I let the pressures of life bother me when I can take courage knowing that Jesus has overcome the world and its tribulations? We'll have one more list to share with you later in the course. Keep in mind that there's nothing magical about reading these lists out loud. The truth in them will only have an effect on your life to the extent that you decide to believe it. But reading these lists out loud, as soon as you get up in the morning for several weeks, can be a way of committing yourself to affirm and believe the truth. I've known so many people who say their lives have been completely transformed by doing just that. Elijah said, how long will you waver between two opinions. If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. Will you take this opportunity to make a new commitment to base your life completely on what God says is true, regardless of your feelings and regardless of the opinions of others? The 20 Cans of Success is the second of three lists of amazing truth from God's Word that will bring you on the Freedom in Christ course. In this time, we'd like you to consider that list and leave with one particular truth that you feel God wants to impress on you today. Take it away and treasure it. Realize that if God has said it, it is true of you. And it's true regardless of your feelings or your circumstances. Remind yourself of it every day until you absolutely know that it's true and it's firmly part of your belief system.